friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, it's time for the podcaster who's, uh, I just want to tell you about some of the colors just surrounding me. We have pink, uh, blackout curtains. We have some gray fleece with a gray, with a gray stripe, uh, Two of those, they're, they're like very thin fleece blankets from, um, what's that place called? Ikea that were, that are like in the super bargain bin, but I had those. I have two of them because they help dampen the sound as well. And then we have, uh, moving blankets, uh, with white stitching, black moving blankets. Uh, yeah, black, I'd say not a dark gray. And, of course, uh, the quilt that the listeners made for me that's uh, multicolors is so beautiful. Oh, also behind that is a, a curtain I had up in the kitchen I had at one point to keep the heat out of the kitchen uh, when I was in a different apartment uh, to reflect the heat. So it go to my daughter's room. That's blue, shades of blue. And if you say, I'm feeling shades of blue because I don't know what you're talking about. I thought this was a sleep podcast meant to keep you company so you're not alone in the deep, dark night to take your mind off stuff so you could fall asleep. You're the most important part of the show. But this podcast is very different. Uh, not, not for everybody. Give it a few tries. See how it goes. The structure show is uh, I'm going to do uh, some support for the podcast. Then there'll be an intro to help you ease you into bedtime. And there'll be an episodically modular bedtime story you could listen to in any order. And it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. And uh, thanks for making it possible, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me the podcast that puts you to sleep we do with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm going to do the rest what i'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake it could be thoughts you're thinking about thoughts on your mind so thoughts uh you you know about the past the present the future usually i have thoughts about all that stuff so thoughts, it could be uh, feelings, anything coming up for you emotionally related to those thoughts or independent of them, feelings that are just there. It could be physical sensations, changes in time, temperature, routine. Holy cow, I went to bed late last night, uh, but I, I tried to, like, so my routine was disrupted, but I tried to, t- I, I did a lot of self-talk, positive self I said, don't worry, we'll try to, you know. Just one night, uh, we'll still do our wind-down routine, which I did. I shortened it. Also, had you know, it was a weekend, but I had two cookies, too. A little bit as part of my wind Normally not part of my wind-down routine. But I'd just gotten, oh, sorry, uh, whatever's keeping you awake, now what's keeping me awake, uh, whatever's keeping, just a little insight, though. They were uh, cookies I'd baked the night before. And I had planned, I, I kind of used it as a negotiating tool with myself. I said, what if we have two cookies and a diet uh, uh, root beer? Then we'll do our wind-down routine, and it's going to be okay. I, ha- I mean, believe it or not, I'm, I'm uh, whatever they call that. The people have told me, you're the wounded healer archetype or something. I said, well, if that's what that means, 
I still got to practice my, like, uh, I said, it's going to be okay. Let's just do a wind down. I know it's later than you want to be going to bed, but it'll be okay. We'll just do our same routine. Uh, you know, we'll just cut out, uh, I didn't do the meditation or the foam rolling, but I did the rest of the stuff. Uh, so whatever's keeping you awake though, a couple of things to know. One, it can feel really, uh, like you're the only person going through something, and that may be the case. I may not know exactly what you're going through, but if I can't relate to how it feels, someone out there that's listening right now probably can, that knows how it feels. That's why we call it the deep, dark night. So that's one thing. The reason I make this show and that it comes out twice a week is because you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place you could rest, a bedtime you could look forward to or at least feel neutral about. Because if you're like me and all the other people listening, maybe you've developed a bedtime relationship uh, that's unlike what I described. I, those are skills I had to slowly learn. Most of the time I'd be like uh, like, uh, like Chicken Little running around, and, and that's like the mild version. And I'd just be like, I'm never, you know, like, and that was uh, every single night, not even when my routine was disrupted. And I did not have, for most of my life, I have not had, I've started thinking about going to sleep on Sunday night, dreading that on Friday evening. So if you've ever had or you have a relationship with sleep like that, we can relate. And that's why I make the show is because you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve the rest you need so your life is manageable so that you could flourish. And if that happens, your life's better, our whole world is better. We need you, really. We need you out there uh, being you. It's the truth. And there's a lot of people nodding their sleepy little heads right now along with me. Regular listeners, thank you for participating. We need you uh, rested. We want you to get the rest you need and deserve. And we want you to feel less alone in the deep, dark night. So those are the reasons I make the show. I know how it feels, and, and I truly believe you deserve a place you can get some rest. Now, this might not be for everybody. There's hundreds of thousands of people listening right now that it took two or three tries for them to get used to the show. They did not like the podcast on their first or second listen. And they said, holy cow, I, do not, I don't like the show, right? It doesn't put me to sleep or what is this? It takes some getting used to. So give it a few tries uh, and see how it goes. If you already dislike me in the podcast, that's totally cool. There's a ton of other sleep podcasts I have listed at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. So check those out. Uh, but what I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to uh, send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm already in the process of doing that technically. And uh, I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Oh, so creaky are my dulcet tones. I don't know what that girl with the porridge would say. Was that Goldilocks? She'd say, oh, this this voice is too creaky, and this voice is not creaky enough. Uh, your voice is just, it's like, oh, there's someone that's creaky. I guess that's what you say. Can you describe uh, creaky dulcet in Goldilocks terms ineffectively? I say, you got, the, with, as long as you put that last part in, you got it, uh, I think she says stuff, she uses those, what are those adjectives or adverbs or something? Modify, I don't know. Those are word modifiers, maybe. I don't know. But uh, she would say, well, this bed's too dulcet. It sounds like angels are humming or something. 
and this one's too creaky. It sounds like I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's just creaking me out, man. It, it, uh, it, but this one, it's creaky and it's just creaky and it's just dulcet. It's different, not traditionally soothing. So creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. I mean, and superfluous tangents. You've seen those. I go out, I try to talk about something, describe my own podcast. Next thing you know, I've made, I think, I, 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 I guess I got to make some porridge. I always think about, whenever I think about Goldilocks, I think I visited one of my siblings' schools once. This was like pre-K or whatever, and they had porridge. Uh, and I said, this is it. This is like, uh, and, and if I, like you say, what moments have you tried to get back to in your life? I say that moment is one of them when I was having porridge. And I was like, this is it. Uh, this is like, uh, this is as good as, it, this is what life's all about. I don't even remember if I, what the porridge tasted like or the consistency, but it was like crossing over a threshold from uh, <laughs> reality into fiction. And I've been chasing that porridge my whole life, but not actually, tr- actually, that's uh, overstating the terms, waiting for my porridge to come instead of chasing porridge. I guess I should have been chasing porridge my whole life. Uh, and now people in the UK are, are in porridge-based uh, uh, areas. Uh, they say, well, just come over here. We got it. Also, you call it this. You probably had it five times in the last month. Oh, really? I don't know. Porridge is so much. You talk about romanticizing uh, breakfast grains, uh, slowly cooked uh, till they're mushy. But I want mine just right. Uh, you see, th- that would be the thing. I mean, that's what I know. That's why you hear a slight amusement. If someone presented me a porridge in the present day, I'd say, oh, well, this isn't it. Uh, it's not like that porridge in my the porridge in my mind, the porridge that is my mind, the boy that chased porridge. So many chapters in my autobiography, but really be the boy waiting for his por- waiting for his porridge day, waiting for the porridge to come. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. Uh, go off topic, I get mixed up uh, because my job is to take your mind off stuff and keep you company. Believe it or not, this is a podcast you don't really listen to, though you can. So it's kind of a podcast that as you become a regular listener, you say, oh, okay, he's talking about Goldilocks and Porridge again. Uh, there he goes. I never heard him talk about it like this, but but he's probably tried to, you know, there goes old Scoots off on a pointless meander and a superfluous tangent. That's a regular, you know, say, I could kind of listen because he's kind of making sense. I've had some similar experiences but they're really, they weren't really fundamental ones. So I could just, and some people turn me all the way down to a mumble. So just kind of listen like I'm out of focus a little bit. Uh, also, I'm not here to put you to sleep. I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep, to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar bud, your neighbor, your boar burr, your boar bestie, your boar friend, to be your friend in the deep, dark night, uh, to keep you company. If you can't sleep, I'm going to be here to the very end. I got like a 45, 55-minute episodically modular episode coming here that's full of even more pointless meanders and superfluous tangents tangents, uh, and friendly characters uh, trying to solve problems in a way that doesn't make any sense. and just like if someone was reading schematics, that would be too boring, in my opinion, for me. 
But if they got distracted while they were reading the schematics and then you say, here's a, here's another form of art I could maybe one day do, schematic uh, fan fiction. Maybe, maybe like, is that how, because that's one of the things I look for in, see, if, if uh, that's like one of the jokes I, if, when I used to do online dating, I'd say, oh, I'd make a plumb bob joke if I, uh, and those are like the only joke I had and only was open, like only worked on uh, people whose profile, their positions, they had some involvement with plumb bob, but uh Maybe I could put that uh, writer of uh, schematic fan fiction. You say, oh, boy, this elevator. You know, that's uh, one day. When I retire, that's what I'll be doing. No, I won't because I don't follow through on that kind of stuff. I I wish I did. Somebody remind me. We could do that. Uh, I guess technically uh, Journey into the Land of Tomorrow was a little bit of schematic fan fiction. So there you go. It's uh, It's been done before. As they say. So, what was my point? Oh, you, so you, I'll be here, whether you're awake or asleep. And no pressure to fall asleep, uh, no pressure to listen. I'm here to keep you company in the deep, dark night. Structure of the show also throws new people off. Understandably, this show is a podcast, so it just goes out. Uh, so you can adjust to how you listen. But for most people, I'll kind of explain why the show is structured the way it is and how to listen but you could kind of discover it as you become a regular listener. Show starts off the friendly greeting, so you feel seen and welcome. Then there's support for the show, so it can be free. And then support for listeners and the communities around the show. Then there's the intro, which is separate from the support and the sponsor stuff. And it's where I go on and on and on. Uh, and I get mixed up and I introduce the show inefficiently. And so as a new listener, you say, okay, I'm getting a general sense of this. As a regular listener, it's different every single time, but it follows a similar structure. So it's friendly and familiar, but your brain and whatever's keeping you awake can't adjust. But it's also like about 10 to 20 minutes long to ease you into bedtime, to give you a buffer between the day and falling asleep, uh, to be a part of your wind-down routine. Now, there are people that skip the intro. There's a couple percentage of people that fall asleep during the intro. But for most listeners, they're winding down or getting comfortable while they're listening to the intro of the show. It's easing them into bedtime. So that's uh, the intro. Then there's support for the show again, so it can be free. And then there's our episodically modular story, uh, Nuns in Space. It'll be a nice little bedtime story. And then there's some thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. That's why I make the show. I'm really glad you're here. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Uh, I really work hard at your and I strive. So thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we're able to do this for you for free twice a week. Hey, everybody. It's time for our episodically modular series, Nuns in Space. Uh, It's got a touch of seriality, but not right now. We're fully episodically modular with uh, the details being filled in now. And ideally by the characters, if they're listening, they could do me a huge favor and fill in, you know, or double fill in. But episodically modular means you can listen to these episodes in any order, and then the ones you're listening to that have numbers less than the number of this episode, which I don't even know. Maybe this is six, so if you listen to five, 
after six or three after six, you say, okay, it's a prequel or whatever. And, uh, that's just one way to look at it. The reason I do this is so you can listen to it in any order. You don't got to worry. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. So glad you're here. So nuns in, 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 nuns in place, uh, and the nuns are in a place, uh, outer space. Uh, they're in the cockpit of a spaceship, piloting the spaceship to an unknown destination on a mission, mission unknown. But they're very focused on that. They are not the main characters, though. Uh, the main characters are a sentient soda machine named Stan. And you say, well, was that like uh, Pinocchio that uh, granted, you know, the blue uh, angel or whatever? N- no, Stan was an uh, android, is a sentient being in the form of this. Uh, uh, yeah, sentient being in the form of a freestyle soda machine. And you say, okay, was that the other way? Like a bubbling cauldron and Stan, you know, uh, went into, you know, took a carrot from the bubbling cauldron owner's field? No, Stan is a digital-based DBB, digital-based being, maybe. I don't know. This is outside of my pay grade. Stan is similar to what you would say, let's say you got BB-8 or R2. I don't know if those two have free will. I really don't know. I'd have to rewatch all the movies and take about 5,000 courses, retake them, and have a better understanding. There's a question I really don't know the answer to. And I don't know if we should be even delving. Does BB-8 have free will? You know, w- w- can you imagine sitting around and you're, you're like in the down and say, you know what? I really wish I was a, a cube or a tube with a dome, whatever that thing's called that R2 was. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be a sphere anymore with it, but you have a head, you have a hat, you're a sphere with a hat, actually BB-8. You know what? After listening to your podcast, I'd prefer to be known as BB-88, uh, and I said, let's start there. We can both agree on that. Uh, so, but I don't know. But Stan does have free will and consciousness. And Stan also has the illusion of free will and unsure which one is which. Because, uh, how do, oh boy, this is sleepy as it gets here, folks. Uh, trying to navigate this stuff. And Stan. And his sidekick and best friend Scooter are trying to navigate outer space. Now, they're not together. Scooter is on the spaceship with the nuns from his childhood. Those are the nuns in space. And he's the only crew member on their ship. He's sworn to do whatever they say to be a service to them as their crew member. But he also is the only one that's retaining knowledge episode after episode, that they're, they're all caught in a loop somehow, somewhere. And after each loop, they uh, kind of forget everything. Scooter mostly remembers everything, and any forgetfulness could probably be more attributed to the computer, to to Scooter, not the computer or the story. Uh, but Scooter knows that one couple things happen every episode. Stan just comes like uh, comes to awareness in the middle of some issue on a, somewhere in outer space uh, outside of the nun's ship. Stan has incredibly cosmic demigod-like powers that are have yet to be explained. Uh, somehow they're related to delusion. 
and stand normally in all and as all procedurals go uh, is in the middle like is is somewhere where there's an issue that needs to be resolved in a procedural manner. I don't know if this is technically a procedural because uh, if if you if you're relying on someone that makes a show that's uh, still still following a step, even if it's a this is the it's a procedural with a different procedure every time. But we just need to go take this crosswalk across the street. Right, but there's I'm sure I'm sure I could do two thousand episodes about that before it gets repetitive. So Stan is on a planet, basically, trying to help. Uh, I mean, the planet's a sim- simplified version, trying to help uh, everybody fix something. Like, for example, oh, there's a vase that got broke. Okay, a couple options to fix it. Tell somebody it broke and say, oh, well, glue it together, get a new vase. But it's, you know, more than that, so I can talk about it for 50 minutes or 45 minutes. So. But Stan also needs his best friend and sidekick's help, Scooter. So Scooter's found that when he helps the nuns on the ship, it gives it somehow portals him to Stan. Then he's able to help Stan resolve Stan's issues, and or Stan's helping other people resolve their issues. But then the whole process restarts again for everybody's benefit in space, uh, at bedtime, and you know who resolves my rambling about on about episodically modular episodes is our Hollywood announcer, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Friends beyond binaries, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Nuns in Space. Thanks, Antonio. Professional as always, uh, looking forward to, uh, you being quiet and silent, you being silent, quiet and, uh, motionless, uh, uh, for, but you've actually agreed to go somewhere, but now I'm feeling a need to have you nearby. I didn't realize you're my comfort. Not only are you comforting, but you're my comfort Antonio. I don't have any other Antonios, but if I did... They would be like, uh, you know, they'd, uh, they wouldn't be my, I don't know. I can't predict it, but right now, even if I had a variety of other Antonios that I had roles in my life, you'd be my comfort Antonio and Bonderas is, you know, like, uh, same, same thing. Uh, I think Scooter, I'll stay here then. Silent, motionless. And quite uh, the best I can. If you could do it, but like improving each time. When you say do the best I can, improving though. So you're going to do the best you can, which ideally would be, if we're talking about improvement, ideally would be better than last time, but could be worse than last time on the path to being better than. So that's fine. I mean, ideally it's not fine. But it'd be great if one of the, this would be one of those times you're like, you make a whole huge leap forward in silence. Uh, but you've definitely been, you know, doing that without a doubt most of the time with some setbacks. Uh, like your, you know, the fact that you make angels sigh and your hair makes a twinkling sound 
and, uh, you know, you make people feel something that's audible and your jaw also creaks, not audibly, but again, like, uh, I think this is another thing I've been made aware of is in the Hague, you're like, I don't know what a square jaw means. So I don't even know if you have a square jaw. But when you do something with your jaw naturally, all the people in The Hague or whatever, their job is like the measures, you know, straight lines and how much is a gram. What's the density of this thing, Majig? They, they, they like uh, all, uh, they, they do something with their shoulders where their shoulders relax and they come into awareness that somewhere out there, there's an idealized jaw. They don't realize, I mean, I, here's the thing. Anybody from The Hague listening, we could get, can we get Antonio? Maybe, like, we, I can't even, maybe it's just good that you're aware because you can't have Antonio. My comfort, Antonio. And uh, he's got, you know, life to live. But uh, just so you know, with all that other stuff, uh, also you've never asked, I mean, I, I know I would deny it, but, you know, my hair is a straight line, I think. So anyway, that's uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. This is Nuns in Space, everybody. Okay, pen pal, it's me, Stan. Scooter, if you're listening, uh, I'm going to go back through everything. So let's, please listen to this uh, carefully because uh, um, this is a lot to absorb, Scooter, and uh, it might be, you may need to draw some pictures or just get here visually to see everything. And oh, by the way, looking on the bright, on the bright side, uh, I'm in a, I'm, I'm, I'm equidistance, but well, I, 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 right now, unfortunately I am equidistance between equidistant between two black holes in outer space, obviously, but I, you know, most of the time, and even now I'm having to adjust my position. So I'm not perfectly equidistant, uh, from two black holes, but I'm in, in near the equidistant point of equidistance. And you'd say, oh, it's perfectly... No, they have slightly different gravitational poles, pen pal. Uh, but uh, all that's measurable, but not important. And here's the thing, pen pal. I have all these... Uh, the Oh, boy. I'm... I'm uh, what was it? Was it like the thing... Like a, Oh, like a marionette, pen pal. I'm a bit, I am connected to all of these, um, planets, but this is where it gets different, pen pal. All the planets are shaped, uh, if you were to put it like a shaped, like a, not an oval, well, kind of like an oval with a hole in the middle, but they're all interlinked. So they all look like links of a chain, pen pal. And, but I'm not with them. I'm at a distance with them because I'm on what you would call a counterweight. Uh, and I'm not just on it, pen pal. I'm a part of it because I'm having to move it at all times and readjust everything. And here's the thing. All of a sudden I woke, woke, or I don't remember waking up, uh, but I knew I was connected to all of the links, nine planet linked planets. They're separate planets but they're interlinked. Uh, uh, good question, pen pal. Uh, 
one to one or one to two, two, like a, they're not all linked together, but they all are linked together. Just like a chain, they're a chain. So there is one on each end. Now this has all made things incredibly difficult, pen pal, because, uh, on top of all that, and I've been, I'm, again, because I'm at a distance, I'm unable to totally, the planets are able to communicate to me through the cables, but I'm at a pretty big distance. And because of the, not every, not all my sensors are working correctly because there's two gigantic black holes pulling at us at all times. Now we're at a distance from those, but they're pulling us in opposite directions. Okay. Here's the thing, pen pal. If everything was going perfect, and that's kind of what I thought was happening when I first remember everything, I'm on a counterweight, or I am a counterweight, which you could just imagine is a big block. Uh, The big block has nine long ropes, we'll say, even though each one goes to one planet. All nine planets are interlinked. And ideally... Well, it doesn't, I guess it never seemed like it was working because I've had to use some rockets and solar, solar sails have worked really good. But, uh, what I think, what I was trying to do, well, here's the thing. I couldn't figure out where the problem started maybe before I remember, but so I, I would be pulled into one black hole and then my links, my ropes to the chain link planets they're being pulled into an opposite black hole, but we're all linked. So then you, you get, you, you, I was trying to get everything to a point where we were being pulled equally in both directions. So we'd be at stasis. And I think I almost had that figured out. It's just like, uh, there's a, everybody has to relax a little bit and these planets are unable to relax. And, I don't know if it's the residents of the planets or the planets themselves are sentient beings. I'm pretty sure both. But they're able to communicate with me and they have strong opinions about one another in particular. About one another in particular. So I've had to, because they said to them, you know, after first I said, oh, wait, this is, oh, these vibrations are actually uh, attempt to communicate with me that are coming through the line that are coming through the rope because it's too far to communicate. Uh, even, I'm trying to put it all in a picture you could put in your, you know, in case Scooter's listening, I should probably even go simpler. But I think that's it. We're trying to balance one another. And then I realized they all wanted me to do stuff because none of them get along. And they, they said, wow, why do I have, I've been next, I've been in between these two links, uh, and I said, for, haven't you always been in between those two links? You, well, I'm sick of it. Uh, and I said, the, and so they would try to move around, and then that would throw. I said, well, I just recalculated everything and readjusted everything, and now we're going to slowly drift out of alignment. Uh, I need you to just relax and for all the links to be spread out. And uh, and so so then I said, okay, can we just. Uh, but they won't talk to, they can't, I don't know if they can't talk to one another, but they only talk to me and I talk to each one of them. And then I talk, uh, and I tried sending out one thing to everybody and they said, no, no, 
you know, I'm Link 8, you know, they said, oh, I like being called Link 8 or whatever. That they could agree on. So then I said, okay, let's, uh, let me find something. So first, the first thing we tried was that they wouldn't touch one another. So I, then I just said, okay, well, I, I can kind of pull on each rope and get you all in a place uh, in the weightlessness of space or whatever. I think I can calculate that. So none of you are touching one another, but we're still in. Uh, and that was extremely difficult, pen pal. Probably not sustainable. The good news is before it was shown to be unsustainable or, or incalculable, we tried it and they didn't like it because then they said, uh, you know what I'm really tired of is that ring's always in the center and I'm always on the end or I'm always in the middle. So then I recalculated that. I said, okay, so you don't want to touch yourselves, but you want to also rotate around in a way. And again, I ran about I, I, my calculability to calculate into like, so I said, okay, let me run some simulations. Let me take, uh, uh, and I said, okay, I think we could do this, uh, cause I can't find a way to interlink all of you. But I said, I think I can find a way like a puzzle pen pal, uh, to, to, to get everyone, uh, to have a turn at the center, not in a, in a way that would be, uh, but here's the thing. We tried it. That did not work pen pal. And now to put it a, a small, uh, it, uh, Everything is all knotted up. Uh, I kind of, I feel like I, I would say between you and me, pen pal, I pulled a scooter because what happened was, uh, the, the, that, uh, for, like, uh, they didn't get along. I thought they would. Then they started moving. They got, so they knotted all my, my ropes are knotted and they're all the, the chains are knotted together. And they keep pulling and pulling and getting tighter and tighter. Like I say, well, if you just, uh, and because they're links, uh, I don't know. So everything's knotted up. Uh, and then I said, well, and I have to keep the counterbalance. So I can't go any closer to help because I tried figuring that out or building rockets on this, uh, like, if I try to do anything, then we'll just drift very quickly because of all the mass we have. Uh, and then we'll all go into one of the, and then I'll never find Scooter. And also, you know, I know, like, uh, uh, I'm 99, uh, well, I'm pretty certain that these particular black holes, at least, will not end up uh, going to, you know, Candyland Universe or something. They're not portals. So I can't leave this planet. You know, I really could use some help, uh, Scooter. And I really could use some help. Uh, I really could use some help. Oh, Stan? Stan? Oh, boy. Wow, Stan, I was just having a dream that, like, uh, you were, uh, you were, you you, like, that you could clench, like, you could uh, make a noise with your jaw. And that it was very, very loud. And you were also doing it with your feet. And it was just, it was not... A, oh, yes, sisters, I'll be right up. Uh, okay, sisters. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here in the cockpit. Okay. So, 
you sisters are very focused, but I can see some blinking lights and hear some more loud noises. Okay, so some of the temperatures are off uh, down in the engine room. Okay, so what do you need me to do? Oh, get them to correct temperatures. Okay, uh, so go down to the engine room and see... Okay, I got it, sisters. I'll be right. Like you, uh, you focus on the mission, correct? Okay, so I get hey, pen pal. It's me, Scooter. Uh, was having a dream about staying, and the nuns called me in. And uh, looks like um, there's some temperature settings off in the engine room. Okay, so oh yeah, there's two plant panels that are blinking here. Okay, this is not ideal because. Uh, one panel is just blinking too hot, and one panel's blinking too cold, and there's con- conduits. That's another word for pipe pen pal. I learned that one from working with the sisters here. Going into each panel, and one says too hot, one says too cold. And, hmm. Now, let me... uh you know what I've learned is uh, the get measure measure once before you know measure measure or something. So I'm gonna go into the uh, yeah they got one here. It's like a like one of these laser thermometers or whatever. Oh wait, now below and now they get closer to the panels. Oh, I can feel some heat coming off of this one. Yeah, the too hot and the too cold. Oh, yeah, there's some cool, like, they both say ideal temperature 98.6. That sounds familiar. Okay, so I'm going to take the temperature of the one that says it's too hot. Uh, okay, 110, and that's set to the temperature I understand. It knows when you touch it. Uh, and, okay, the other one's set to 30. So two thirty's too cold for that one, and one hundred and ten is too hot for that one. And let me just look at my personal digital device. Okay, so both of those are within the range of human. Okay, so if I oh boy, that does feel hot though, even though it's not. It's uh, it's uh, and that one does feel cold. Okay, so they're definitely hot and cold. Like yesterday's, like, uh, like that song. Um, oh, and hey, pen pal. So I know I got to figure this out, uh, and then it'll help the nuns on their mission, which is my requirement. Is uh, yeah, Oh, hi, sister. Yeah, I'm working on it. You have determined that one panel's too hot and one panel's too cold. No, no, I've also determined that their ideal temperatures are 98.6. On your FM dial, sister. Why don't you, why don't you tune in to 98.6? Uh, it's it's uh, all covers of that song, Hot and Cold, uh, or something like it. Uh, so, oh, sister's gone. Okay, so as far as I can tell, wait a second, 98 point, hold on a second. That's my, t- okay, no, well, I'm 90, no, I'm 98.6. Knew that was familiar. Oh boy, it, uh, finally got I finally scored a normal on this digital thermometer. Okay, so let me look at this. One is too hot. One's too cold. There's uh, 
pipes going in and then pipes coming out and it says in and out uh and oh yeah take the temp okay so one going in is uh the same temperature and the one going out is the same temperature and the one, okay huh i wish uh i mean i could follow these but the only thing is like uh that re- this reminds me of pen pal is like an experiment where like you put one hand on one thing and one hand on the other thing at a uh um like a like a children's science museum that I attended, you know, in last year and I don't even remember anything. But I thought it was like if you put your hand on a cold thing and your hand on a hot a hot thing that's not too hot or not too cold, but obviously too cold for the sensors. Like maybe this is just a situation Oh yeah, maybe I should do Okay, I guess these things, I, I didn't even realize there was these even smaller instructions. Those panels are supposed to regulate the temperature, but they can only regulate it. Uh, oh, these. so I think it's just a matter of these just need to be resets. Such a simple problem. So my only thought was if I hold on to both of these, I think it makes you have to go. So let me use the restroom. And uh, don't worry, I have like a restroom filter on this device pen pal. So you couldn't even, and I was only, you know, uh, just in case when I touch both pipes, uh, I decide my body decides it has to go. Now I'm, now I'm not, I don't have, I don't have anything to go with. I mean, I don't mean it like that. I don't have anything, no more liquid ready to, ready to release. Uh, so I'm going to touch both of these and I'm going to hold both of them. And what'll happen, pen pal, my theory is that uh, I may have to pee. That That's taken care of. Two, I think it makes you feel the opposite or something like that. I can't even remember that part. Four, if I hold on to both of them, eventually they, at least the, at least the part I'm touching, will get close to 98.6 on the FM dial. Radio Nightwater, 98.6 on the FM dial. W, R and W or whatever it was. So um, I'm going to do that, but also I think that's what'll pour. Oh, oh boy! Okay, here I'm go. Okay, that is cold, but not freezing cold. And that one is warm or hot, but not burning hot. Oh yeah, the temperatures are changing, pen pal. And I'm crossing my legs, even though I already went. Oh boy. Okay, now I'm hearing Stan's pen, pen pal message. Uh, it's going right in. Oh, hey, uh, hey, hey, Scooter. Hey, Stan. Oh, boy, what's that noise? Scooter, what do you mean? There's like a, a scraping noise coming across. I didn't think, uh, where are we, Stan? Oh, okay, well, no, I, I remember now. Scooter, did you get my pen pal message? On the way here, Stan, I did get your pen pal message. Uh so, so you're like something like a, um, you're like a mascot or something, Stan, huh? What do you mean, Scooter? Like a, you're like a mask, you're using those masquerade puppets or what is it? Mandolins, Mandalorian, like a puppeteer, like, uh, why don't, why can't I think of the name? Scooter, it's marionettes, but those are the, uh, sis, uh, uh, yes, Scooter. So, but with only chain link planets uh, that are very uh, opinionated, Scooter. Okay, and you're also a counterbalance or a counterweight stand. I, 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 uh, 
I did see that in my mind coming in. It was like uh, you're on a big obelisk uh, almost. Scooter, it's below me, so I don't really have a scooter. I have to fo- I've been focusing very much. I still am. No, Stan, I'm not. I, I realize you're in a tough spot. Uh, and I just uh, think that this noise is uh, is really loud. Scooter, I've uh, filtered out those noises. Okay, well, um, Scooter, did you know I uh, gave you a space? Did you, did you realize you're in a spacesuit? Oh, no, thanks, Stan. This looks like a... Are these a under... Is this a spacesuit made to look like underoos? Scooter it is, Jana and Jaina underoos. Uh, wow, thanks, Stan. This is great. Uh, I wish uh, I had the powers of Jana and Jaina, though out here it wouldn't do any good. Scooter, I, it may not do you any good anyway, unless you could be like a seal, like a seal with a bucket of water or whatever. Yeah, and then the seal would throw the water, and then someone would... Okay, so... Okay, that noise is still bothering me. Even my can my spacesuit scooter, your spacesuit can't uh, filter it out. No, do I have like rockets in my spacesuit? Scooter, you do. Okay, whoa, 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 scooter, what is it? So the, all those chains are knotted up there, and they're get they're pulling into that black hole. You know, Stan, I'm getting a sense that. Uh, this this stuff you described is rope. It's like what in the name of Kim Stanley Robinson, Scooter? How long did it take you to think of that one? The, the well, I thought of it on the when I was coming here, uh, but it, like uh, this does look like elevator space elevator cable made from the obelisk below, Stan. Scooter, what are you saying? I'm just saying it's not rope. It's like space elevator. I think it's like a. Uh, well, maybe it's not. It's uh, here, you Stan. I'll be right back. I'm gonna s- s- shoot off into space. Uh, well, uh, what, Scooter? Don't worry. I can. That's a great idea. I'll I'll tether you to the counterweight so you don't. Uh, but with my own tether, not. Uh, oh, thanks. Like a nano tether, Scooter. Exactly. That's what. That's. I think that's what they made the space elevator cable out of. Okay, scooter. But all my space elevator cables knotted up uh, with the with the things, and uh, also, scooter. I've calculated that I can't uh, sustain this for much longer. So, this is one of those situations that we actually got need your help. Uh, I can't. I haven't been able to scan the planets uh, because of the distance and the black holes. Uh, and the planets seem to speak for them. They they uh, very have they they have each uh, distinct unique voice. Okay, Stan, I'll be back. Yeah, go, okay. So, Stan, can you can I communicate with you through this tether? Scooter, you can. You're communicating with me now. Okay, so now that I'm getting some distance, uh, huh? It's a lot quieter out here, but it's still like that sound is all of the chains uh, or the I'm going to call the planets chains for now. Scooter, that's what I was calling them, but uh, individually. Oh, yeah, but it's one big chain, but they're all scraping together. Scooter, they don't like that. That was my first solution was to have them not touch one another. So they each just wrote like uh, I I did find that balance, but then they didn't they couldn't. they were just arguing amongst one another. 
Okay, Stan, I'm noticing, uh, did you ever, uh, when, um, when they were, uh, stretched out, uh, how, did you track the distance of them? Scooter, what do you mean? Well, I'm just wondering if, uh, like they were like, so they were stretched across one way that's, and then you were counterbalancing them in the black hole, but it took a lot of calculation, right? Stan scooter. Correct. Uh, and, uh, at another point, uh, I don't, I'm just wondering if, uh, that was a nat- like that was just what you came into existence. Like I'm wondering if the natural state of things is that uh, they're supposed to be like stretched between the black holes. Is it possible for or, like what, like I don't know. This might not be the mineral and organic planets, planetoids shaped like a chain to be in balance among the black holes? It's a good question, Scooter. I, like, I don't know, because I don't know what's going on in the planets. Uh, yeah, like, we're at a distance in the size of the black holes, making it impossible to see any perspective at all. But just the perspective of me further away makes me think that maybe they were stretched in between the black holes. And your counterbalance is like, so just even at a distance, stand. Your counterbalance platform you're on is very, very shiny. Okay, Scooter, what do you mean? Well, there's no, uh, nothing organic. It's very smooth, but it's like, uh, I don't know, it's uh, very geometric. Scooter chains are geometric, too. Yeah, but Stan, I'm looking at them, and they look more natural. Yours looks unnatural. Okay, Scooter, so what do you think I should do? Um, let me go look at the planets up close. Uh, can you tether me and I can go? Scooter, go ahead. Yeah, you, you have very powerful rockets on your uh, underoos. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. Okay, I'm getting closer, Stan. I'm already seeing. I didn't realize. I like how you built in binoculars uh, into my spacesuit. Scooter, they're not technically binoculars, but that's fine. How about some banaca? Any banaca in here? Scooter, what's banaca? It's a breath spray that used to exist. I don't know. Uh, Scooter, no, there's no breath spray in your spacesuit. That would be counterintuitive for a spacesuit designer. Should I put... No, 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 I, I don't think I can. I think it probably isn't for me. Okay, Scooter, anyway. Okay, so these are all... Uh, you know what's on my to-do list to read is Ringworld, but I haven't read it yet. Okay, Scooter. Uh, but isn't that uh, a fiction? Yeah, but so these aren't technically Ringworlds, Stan. These are chain-link worlds. These are gigantic planets. Okay, Scooter. And they're mostly, and I can see on the interiors, uh, even though I'm pretty far away, uh, that, oh, Scooter, I can see now through your uh, your uh, binoculars. Yeah, so see how the organic, uh, like, uh, like uh, Scooter, those are legitimate planets. Or one, well, I guess it's not one planet. But, yeah, the, those are worlds, Stan. 
but uh, let me come back because I'm not sure what to do. Uh, okay, so, hey, Scooter, it's good to have you back here. Yeah, thanks for uh, this awesome space. I'm very fast. Uh, uh, let's see, what else can we notice, Stan? Is there anything else you've noticed since you've been here? Oh, boy, what's that coming at us? Oh, Scooter, don't worry, that's just space debris. And eventually it'll be sucked into uh, into to one of the two black holes. Okay, but that looks like organic space debris, Stan. Oh, Scooter, you're right, it does. Uh, and, um, huh, and it's, uh, well, Scooter, it's slowed down because then it'll slow down. It's kind of like a stream, and then it'll decide which black hole it's closer to, and then it'll go eventually slowly go there like a balloon floating away. Okay, um... Here's the thing, Stan, that doesn't make any sense. Scooter, what do you mean? Um, I don't know. We're missing something. But, uh, that, uh, like, I mean, I guess it's like that, that, uh, like that, that looks like something blue. Uh, I hate to ask this because it's always speculated on, but in, if, if we, if you go into one of these black holes, what'll happen? Will we be like, uh, in the multiverse? Scooter, no, uh, I can't be a hundred percent certain, but I'm pretty certain that these black holes, uh, that, uh, the, the, there's a lot of friction that would be generated and, um, on entering them. And there'd be so much friction generated on entering them uh, that uh, it would cause uh, uh, like it would cause uh, big big farm. The matter would become another matter, but it wouldn't be a matter that could have sentience. Okay, that's about like is that with all black holes, Stan? Scooter, it's just what I've observed here and. Uh, I don't know, just for these particular two only that I know about right now in our discussion at this moment. Okay, so here's a, here's what we have so far, Stan. Right now, you're a hero. You're holding these grouchy chain-link planets. Uh, they either have some sort of central leader or the planet itself is also an sentient organic being hosting sentient and organic beings totally normal i mean that that uh i mean the sentient part uh, or consciousness parts new but we don't even know that right we just know there's organic matter on those planets um but right now they're caught up in a, a thing and that uh none of no none nothing with a with uh an ounce of self-preservation or instinctual evolution instinct or whatever you want to call it, Stan, uh, would want to, um, like just get float into a black hole if it's like highly likely you'll be big farmed, right? Scooter correct. And then there's other organic matter coming into the area, or I'm just using that in a term for my understanding, Stan. Scooter, I've accepted when you speak that that's what you're understanding. Or, yes, Scooter. And that matters also going or trying to avoid probably or hoping it could avoid or maybe just having wishful thinking. It doesn't have you to say, 
oh, when we get to that black hole, I guess you could sen- I can sense it in my gut. Otherwise, I would have tried to fly into one. Uh, Scooter, you're correct. And uh, um, that's all I have, Stan. I mean, I, those are the those are the. Okay, Scooter. So I'm listening to you. And the first question is, uh, we should do something for that one piece of organic matter. The other ones were inorganic, just so you know that you're not questioning my judgments, that I've never observed any organic matter coming from a space and getting sucked into one of those two black holes. But I haven't been here forever. Okay, so uh, we should do something about that, right? Scooter, we should. But I don't know what we could do. I mean, because uh, the mass of that one is too great for for uh, you or even your tether and your spacesuit to, to change their uh, direction. Okay, here's another question, Stan. Did these... Um, uh, huh, okay. Uh, okay, here's a question, Stan. In the middle of the black hole, there's gravity, right? Uh, but it's like a gravity provided by either black hole? Correct, Scooter. Okay, so I could stand on that planet. If, if it was, if, if in a fantasy world, I could stand on one of those planets. Scooter loosely defined, you could, yeah. And obviously, so, and the planets themselves are really grouchy. But they were grouchy because uh, as soon as, uh, I don't know. Scooter, it's interesting. So a couple things I'm, I'm, I'm coming together from listening to you be confused. Okay, good, Stan. One is the noise, which I've been, I let myself listen to for a while. And the observation that uh, most of the time, if a chain is pulled taut, uh, like, that's how they say, because I think you were trying to think of something that made me think of Ron Konkuma, of t- 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 what happens when you get, when you go to school, you get taught. Well, I'm gra- glad my forgetting what, what Ron Konkuma joke, uh, but uh, go ahead, Stan. So if a chain is pulled taut, Scooter, uh, Scooter, I'm laughing in the inappropriate time. I must be, uh, Stan, you're, you're full being now. But it doesn't make a lot of noise, right, Scooter? It's not grinding and irritating. Because if you were organic matter on one of those planets, it'd be pretty rough. Right, Stan? And, like, uh, if, if in your world, Scooter, if there was chain links and they were their purpose was to link things and be linked, uh, like, uh, that would be their purpose, right? You say, oh, you're... Uh, you're one of those things so the door doesn't open too far. Or you help our dog uh, stay, uh, you know, uh, in the yard. Uh, now, those would be noisier, but uh, you know you know what I mean? Like, chains are interlinked, and their interlinking has a purpose. Correct, Scooter. And as soon as now I was here, and... Uh, it's kind of like one of those things. That, now, Scooter, this is just a, a speculation. Okay, Stan, uh, go ahead and speculate. I love it. Uh, my speculation is, Scooter, that uh, my, something about my arrival on this giant counterbalance platform was unnatural. And 
it disrupted the order of things, which was that these chains that you may have pointed out by accident were stretched equidistant in, in, uh, I'm saying this in a way you could understand, between the two uh, black holes. Uh, Now, they would have to use evolution, using your words, what you can understand, Scooter, to stay equidistant between the two black holes, but with the mass... It is possible, I think, Scooter. Okay, so you're saying these planets evolved somehow to stay equidistant between the black holes. Um, so either the planets themselves are intelligent life or there's intelligent life on the planets. doesn't really matter. Not our job to figure out right now. Right, Scooter. Our job is to fix things. Uh, so they would have a common need to work together and i came and took away that common need and by doing that that's why they the the, their natural state of things isn't to be grout maybe they have grouchy feelings if we're pretending these giant planets are sentient beings or just using that as an overview for the sentient beings that exist on each planet okay so okay so okay but by um by you taking over some of the uh, something, they weren't interdependent. Those interlinked chains were interdependent on one another. Correct, Scooter. Okay, and now we're all in a bit of a mess. And that planet's get that other organic thing that's coming, blue green thing is uh, Scooter. Correct. Uh, that goes to my last piece of uh, discovery which was your joke about my ropes, which I know aren't ropes. Okay, Stan, what is it? You said they look like space elevator cable scooter. Correct. And that made me think that I could make a tether for you, but these are not my tethers. Uh, These are not of my nanos, these cables. Okay. And uh, because, and I think that's why... My next level of speculation, Scooter, that I'm communicating to the chain links right now, when it seems like they're moving, Stan, yes, Scooter, I think they had a larger purpose that served their own purpose. Okay, now you're losing me. So you said, what in the name of Kim Stanley? I don't think Kim Stanley Robinson would be super impressed with this, Scooter, but here deep in outer space, I think that... uh, not only did the the chain link planets rely on one another to stay in balance between two giant black holes, that's just their home. But also the fact that these two giant black holes are pulling things from outer space. Now, one would say, who are you to intervene? But I was thinking, Scooter, of the uh, evolution happened slowly. But then you said, oh, intelligent life. Uh, and I said, wait a second. Uh, so... These cables, each one is attached to each planet. Yeah, and they're uh, they're you know like Doc Ock scooter from those uh, movies of the um, web-based superhero. Yeah, yeah, they're like that. Uh, they're they're uh, they're manipulable. That's how I was able to control things and move the planets around. Okay, Stan. And uh, what are you getting at? 
Well, Scooter, they're all attached to this obelisk I'm on, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking that the cha- having they had one purpose uh, that was kind of like, hey, let's all work together, the nine of us, so we don't all end up big farmed. And let's just consider this our home and we're, we're, we're interdependence, but, uh, that sometimes that's just, you know, with non-humans, a lot of times that just goes unsaid. Okay. So their normal natural order of things was to be interdependent and stay. Uh, yeah. I think I understand that part. Okay. Scooter. But at some point, uh, maybe long, long ago, I don't know. They needed, uh, they became aware of something but also in their awareness, they realized we got a balance. Maybe there was a big event. Uh, I don't know. And they said, uh, we need to rebalance things on our planets uh, faster than evolution. Okay. So evolution could have been like at some point, like migration or re- like, uh, right, Scooter, you're right. Uh, like they could have moved the chain links along. But so. Also, there could be a greater purpose of saying, hey, that's another organic being floating into our area. Do we have an obligation to help that being come live on our planet, one of our planets, but also maybe use that being to rebalance things? Because, again, they would all, everything would happen so slowly, but too fast for normal evolution uh, at some points. Okay, so you're saying that these are like grabby arms. These are elevator, space elevator cables that are grabby arms that could grab something in space that's headed towards one of the black holes, use it as a counterbalance, or bring it to one of the other links and to help it, like whatever it is. Let's just say it's moss or something. Scooter, they could not only could they do that, they could hold it. Uh, uh, and now I'm starting to really analyze these, uh, the, 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 yeah, like it's like, uh, like things could travel back and forth. They could communicate, they could hold it in, you know, and, and say, okay, in, in five years, you could come live on one of our planets, but they could also move stuff from planet to planet. Okay. So you're saying, and you're saying to the planets, oh, you like, uh, so what I'm saying, Scooter is, uh. That, uh, in what I've, I've been sending my nanos, so you're not going to be tethered anymore. So you have to s- hold on to me. Okay, Stan, I'm holding on to you. Okay, Scooter. So I'm going to, uh, uh, tell all of the, uh, uh, planets to let go at the same time. And hopefully they'll let go. And, uh, and then the, the obelisk will separate. Okay, oh, it just happened. Okay, Scooter, I'm telling them to grab the obelisk again. So they were clutching the obelisk. Uh, you know, Stan, this sounds like a level of delusion. And I know you're not remembering this, but every time I've come to see you, we've been stuck uh, in the grips of a delusion. Or like, okay, Scooter, I, I'm going to have to just take a leap and trust you because we we, we got to solve this, okay? Okay, so um, I'm guessing the obelisk is made from solid delusion. And instead of being in the grips, delusion is in their grips. Scooter, did you just use that time to make some sort of pun? 
No, it's a fact. I'm just saying that, uh, oh, wow, they're rearranging themselves now that they realize they can control these uh, space elevator cable arms. Yeah, Scooter, they just grabbed that organic thing, and now they're using it to untangle things. And they're holding on to this obelisk. Stan, could you use your jets and my spacesuit, and we could push the obelisk towards one of the black holes to rebalance the um, the 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 link chain link planets, and then they could be back, and and then they'll just let us let uh, the obelisk go. And Scooter, what about us? Uh, there's something your na- things will take care of itself. I mean, we should not uh, go into the black hole clearly, but the obelisk should because then it'll be dematter. I mean, its matter will become inert, right? Uh, more or less, scooter. So I, I think, Stan, even though you're you're not, I think you'll understand this easier than I am. We're on a mission to go through space and collect pieces of delusion that are causing a problem. You're just not remembering it. So you won't remember this. And then I show up to help you and then we solve it. And then it starts again. Okay. Scooter. Uh, it'd be great if you like, I don't know what you've been doing the last few ones, uh, but if you could show up a little earlier in the process, uh, but I think we could do that. I, I just told the uh, planets and they seem they seem they were sighing in a sense, uh, but they they say, "Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense." Uh, we forgot, so we, they were delusional too. As soon as they let go of the delusion, it broke it. So what you're saying makes sense. Okay, great. So um, I guess uh, uh, okay, scooter. This is going to take a very long time, though. Uh, so may, why don't we lie down and rest here on this giant bed of delusion? Oh, you know what? I think that's what resets things, Stan. As long as I know the delusion's going and, and uh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, let's rest. Scooter, let's get comfortable. Yeah, we could cuddle here. Scooter, I'm going to put on my own pajama. I, I, I well, Scooter, uh, you, you, you I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to have Jetson's pajamas. Okay, uh, and I have my underoos, uh, Scooter, did you realize you were you got underoos and pajamas mixed up, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't realize that I was flying through space in underwear. I thought, yeah, you're right. Well, it's okay, Scooter. Were the chain link planets laughing at me? Uh, Scooter, they were laughing with you. They didn't. I had to explain to them and show them what Jana and Jana were. Yeah. Okay. I think it's not Jana and Jana anyway. Scooter, it's not, but I'm just humoring. Let's just rest, Scooter. Okay, I'm I'm a resting puppy with my best friend Stan. We're going to get some sleep here, and we'll be back for another adventure soon. Good night, Scooter. Good night, everybody. Good night, Pen Pal.